You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. We are, like he said, week three of our series, My Part, God's Part, Their Part, uh, talking about discipleship and what that looks like and breaking it down into these sections so we can really get a handle of what it looks like for me. What do I have to do for discipleship? What is my part? And as he mentioned, uh, we're talking a little bit of what it looks like to share your life. That's the question. What does it mean to share your life when you disciple people? What does that look like? What can we, what can we learn from Jesus? Maybe some Bible stories that might involve that. And what are some tangible examples that we can start applying to our own lives and say, okay, how do I make the rubber meet the road? So we're going to dive straight into the text because there's a great story that involves this out of Luke 19. It's right at the beginning of Luke 19, uh, verses 1 through 10. If you got your your phone or your digital Bible, or I actually put the entire verse in the bulletin this week because it fit. So it's also there. It's everywhere. All sorts, of, all sorts of scripture. Uh, so this is the story of Zacchaeus, which many of us are familiar with, um, the wee little man. Uh, it's just a, a short little story. I'm going to see how many of those puns I can put in here, see if it drives us up a tree or not. It might. Um, Jen really liked that one. I heard her out of the side room. <laughs> all right. So let's, let's dive, in, dive into the text here. Uh, He, being Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Short, wee little man. So he ran on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. Some of us might remember the song as a kid, which I actually, I was, I was thinking of this last night and I don't actually remember much of that song. I just remember like a wee little man and a wee little man was he, he something, something top of the tree. Like, like, I just don't really remember, which makes me feel very inadequate as a worship pastor that I have forgotten the Zacchaeus song. So fail. We'll put that as a shortcoming this week. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus And he can't because he's short and apparently everybody else was really tall, which back in that time they were, how short was this guy? Because they were not that tall back then. He was a, hmm, he was a hobbit. Um, So then he climbs up Treebeard and he goes to see Jesus. Uh, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. I think in the song, it's I'm coming to your house today, right? I'm pretty sure. Uh, which is where we got the title for the sermon, Coming to Your House, which would have made it better if I could remember the song. Once again, fail, but that's all right. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. Who's they? When all of the people saw this, when all of the people saw that Zacchaeus was going to hang out with Jesus, that Jesus was going to hang out with Zacchaeus, they, they didn't like this. They grumbled. And they said, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner, who is a sinner. Jesus has gone in to hang out with this dirty, rotten sinner, this guy who we do not like. They didn't like tax collectors back then. Uh, We love tax collectors now, obviously. They're our favorite people. 
Not so much. Scott, that's, that's a, ooh, Scott, that's, that's, just, ooh, that's a bit much maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I agree, but I don't know, maybe a bit much. Anyway, so we, we, nobody likes tax collectors now. They liked them less back then. The way, if I remember, we'll talk about this in footnotes probably a little bit, but if I remember correctly, Rome would basically like bid out their taxation collection process. And so people would become a tax collector and Rome would say, go collect this much. And then they would go collect a little extra on top of that. And then that was their income kind of. Uh, and this is Zacchaeus. He was a tax, a chief tax collector and he was rich. So apparently he's skimming quite a bit off of the top. So they go have dinner and Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him today, salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So we see the, this, this just 10 verses here, but this is such a, this is a, an action packed story. There's a lot going on here. We'll probably parse out some of the, the nitty gritty uh, Bible nerdery stuff and footnotes this week. There's some fun stuff there, but we see Jesus reaching out to Zacchaeus in this story. And let's, let's break down what's God's part and what's my part and their part. So God's part, Jesus's part, and Zacchaeus's part in this story. What do we see? What, what is God doing in this story? What do you guys see God doing? Well, he's working on Zacchaeus's heart. Zacchaeus wants to see this Jesus guy. Something is stirred in him the need to go see this. And unprompted at the end of the story, we see this repentance. What that tells me is that God is working in Zacchaeus's heart. That's God's part. What's Jesus's part? Which would, in our, in our series, this would be the my part, the disciplers part. What is Jesus's part? What does he do? He's willing to meet with him. He sees Zacchaeus. He sees him as a person and he's willing to step into his world to share life together. And then what is Zacchaeus's part? What does does Zacchaeus have to do? He responds. He shows up. He says, yes. Like we talked about last week. Say the next yes. Well, it applies in this case too. So we see Jesus stepping down into this sinner's world to be a part of his life, to interact, to influence. This is what we see in this story. But that was a long time ago. So that obviously doesn't work now. Um, It's got to be completely different. And we need books that we need to hand out to people. And the principles that Jesus used obviously would not work for 21st century America, right? I'm being sarcastic under the face mask. Sorry. Um, so I've got a friend named Megan who back in Moscow where I, where I lived previously, I was, I was leading a care group and I had this friend group that was involved in this care group. And, and we decided to do this thing called Brenner. Um, it kind of just became, it was really organic. It kind of just happened. Um, <clears throat> like three of us decided 
we like cooking, we like eating, we don't like doing either of those alone, and we're all in our 20s, and we have nothing better to do, so every Wednesday night, we're going to get together and cook breakfast food and eat it for dinner. Thus, we get Brenner. Geniuses. Don't worry, the world's in good hands when the millennials take over. Yikes. However, bacon for dinner is beautiful, so really, it was a good idea. Um, <clears throat> so we started this Brenner tradition, and every week we would do Brenner on Wednesday night, and we had our care groups on Tuesday night, and pretty soon, pretty much everybody from care group was coming to Brenner on Wednesday night. We really liked each other, so we would hang out multiple nights a week. Um, either that or we were really bored, one or the other. But we were going to do this Friendsgiving for, for Thanksgiving. We were going to just do a kind of a Thanksgiving meal, and we were going to do it on Black Friday, so Black Friday dinner. Um, I was working at Macy's at the time, so I got home off of my shift, and like everybody's just in my house, and it smells amazing because somebody has put the turkey in at the prop- appropriate time, and there's just like 15 people in my house like, hey, guys. It was pretty great. Um, <clears throat> but Michelle one of the girls in the care group and one of the people that started Brenner, she had invited her friend Megan, who worked with her at this really dysfunctional vet clinic. It, Cindy, it would make your hair stand on end, some of the stories that they could tell. It was, wow. So this is just her coworker, <clears throat> And Megan was kind of going through a little bit of a rough point in her life. Uh, she was going through just various things. And Michelle was like, hey, if you don't have anything going on this week, you ought to come to this Thanksgiving dinner that we're doing on Black Friday. <clears throat> come hang out with us. Bring your dog. We liked the dogs. The dogs were always there. Um, so uh, Megan decided to come. And one of the questions that she asked during the, during the night that I remember, um, amongst other shenanigans things that I will not embarrass her with by putting on the internet. But uh, one of the things I remember her asking was, how do you all know each other? We were kind of a rambunctious crowd, and, and how, do you, how do you guys all know each other? And we said, well, we all meet on Tuesdays for a care group, and we all go to the same church, kind of, most of us at least, and we, we meet up every week, and we just kind of talk about stuff, and then, then we do this Brenner thing. And uh, she was actually pretty surprised by that. Um, <clears throat> Could have been because we were drinking mimosas. I don't know. That was just didn't match with her her religious experience. The bacon. I don't know. I don't know what it was. But she was very surprised by this at the time. Um, but Megan started coming consistently to Brenner week after week because she liked hanging out with us. We were a pretty fun crowd, and we weren't pushing Jesus on her. We weren't. You know, we didn't have an agenda. We were just hanging out and having a good time. And we had this healthy little community that we had built and. She needed community, and so we invited her in. She became a part of that. <clears throat> now, we would oftentimes uh, stay late after care group and maybe do s'mores or something like that. I remember one time we went to like 1 a.m., which is not a normal care group function. Um, even my care group now only goes to like 9-ish, that we just stay around and talk for forever because, I don't know, we like each other or something. I, it's weird. It's very strange. Um, but we would hang out afterwards and pretty soon we had this like chat on messenger. And so pretty soon she started coming to these after care group hangouts and Brenner, and she became more and more involved in the community. And pretty soon it was like, she's getting off work, but she doesn't want to go like do anything else, but care group's still going. And so she would text us my favorite texts ever. Hey, is the Jesus talk done? 
hey, you guys done talking about Jesus yet? Cracked me up every single time. Pretty soon she'd start showing up a little earlier and a little earlier and she'd bring her knitting because she was a 85 year old woman at heart. Um, But uh, she wouldn't argue with me on this. It was very, very true. And she would bring her knitting and her dog Ola and uh, she would sit behind the couch. So we've got, we've got our group set up here and we'd be talking through care group questions and she would sit behind the couch so she wasn't involved. There's no way you could hear it over the top of the couch. No way. Um, every once in a while, you'd, you'd forget she was there. Or maybe you'd hear the knitting needles. How you doing over there, Megan? Oh, I'm doing fine. And she'd wait until the Jesus talk was done, right? Well, pretty soon she starts showing up earlier and earlier. Pretty soon she's participating in the discussion. Pretty soon she's coming to church with us because, well, we're discussing the stuff that's at church, the, the sermon. So it would make sense to go listen to the sermon. So she's going to come listen to the sermon with us. And then pretty soon she's dragging the group to church because, you know, she's a little bit the, the motherly figure, making sure all of us hooligans are staying in char, you know, in, in line and getting us all to church on time. Now, which service are we going to this week, etc. <clears throat> I don't know if any of us realized what was going on. It just kind of happened. It just kind of happened. And pretty soon we were baptizing Megan, who previously had described herself as like at least agnostic uh, and had the nickname Megan the Atheist in the group, which might be a little, uh, well, that was our group. So pretty soon we were baptizing Megan the Atheist, which means we got to come up with a new name at that point, I think. Now, when that occurred, I, I kind of stopped and I, I finally realized like, oh, wait, what just happened? Did we accidentally make a disciple? I think we did. I think we accidentally made a disciple. But it, it wasn't really accidental because we had developed our community. We had developed who we were as people to just naturally and organically do this. We were sharing our life with her. And we were entering into her life. We were getting to know her story. We were caring about Megan. And the fruit came out of that. So what do we see in this story? We saw my part. Literally, all I had to do was I opened up my house to a bunch of hooligans, gave them a key. I'm pretty good at that. Had a key box at the time. Uh, So I never knew who was going to be at my house when I got there. I was still a workaholic at that point. So I'd come home and, oh, there's a party at my house. Okay. All right, cool. Um, I made some pancakes, some mimosas, some bacon, occasionally a French toast like crumble thing. It's really all I had to do. Just had to host and create an environment and care about people. I cared about Megan. I listened to her life. Michelle's part, because this was a group effort. This was a community effort when you look back on it, she invited Megan to Brenner. She was her friend, her coworker, and she gave a rip. She cared about Megan as a person. So that's, that was our part. God's part was she, she had God working in her heart. There was stuff going on there. We were completely oblivious to it because we were, you know, just hanging out and doing Brenner. But God was at work in this, in this lady's heart. 
Megan's part was she accepted the invitation. She showed up. She showed up and she engaged in community and she had a good time and was a little vulnerable when it felt safe to tell us about her life and things that were going on. And, and then she didn't fight with what God was doing in her heart. Uh, side note, I, was, I, I sent a Snapchat to my sister this week, or she sent me a Snapchat, and then I replied, it's Snapchat, I hate it. Um, but that's how she communicates. And my sister is now in the care group that Megan and her husband are leading which I thought was kind of weird, honestly. It was a little like worlds colliding in worlds. But uh, it was pretty cool. Like, huh, I see what you did there. That was cool. It was a fun little side note there. I've got tons of these stories, though. Megan is by far my favorite because it it felt like an accident. And then pretty soon, like, wait, we're baptizing Megan today? What? It was so good. It was so good. Uh, but I've got tons of these stories. And we, we heard from Kyle last week. Kyle, how many times did your friend invite you? A lot. A lot. At least 12? Yeah. Plus? I would say plus. Plus. Okay. 12? More, greater than 12. Okay. Uh, like, we see these stories. And all he was doing was inviting Kyle to share in his life. It's not terribly, dif- it's, it's definitely not rocket science, and it's for sure not music theory, which is by far the hardest thing ever. Right, Josh? Absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> Throwing the rocket scientists in their place. <laughs> uh, so these stories happen, though, when we pursue authentic relationships outside of the church. Because Megan was not going to come to a church. There was no way. When she first joined Brenner and started hanging out with us, there was no way you were getting her to step foot in a church. There was baggage there and bad experiences, and she hated the thought. It was not going to happen. I've got a couple of friends like that here. My friend Isabel, I have to bribe with uh, chocolate-covered raisins to get her to come hang out in the church office, like outside of church. They've got baggage. But I developed the friendship. I developed the friendship over time. And it takes a long time with some of these things. This, was not a, this wasn't a quick process. I think that's why we didn't, well, it was surprising, is it just kind of happened step by step, week by week, conversation by conversation of just doing life together. I hate that phrase. It's so cliche, but it's true. We were just doing life with Megan. Rob talked last week about uh, we were needing to uh, meet new people. And so he joined a gym. He joined the Redcoats. And there's been some good conversations out of that and some new friendships that have developed from that. Um, Me over here, I've said yes to opportunities that come along to expand my social circle. I I, I made the, the conscious decision to say, all right, yeah, I need to go make some friends. It's like being back in kindergarten again, except for they don't throw you all in the same room and say, go. So I have to go find them. And it was, it was odd. Um, it was like an odd place to be in your late, mid-20s. Uh, 
so, you know, social apps, etc. Uh, I tried to do the gym thing, but I keep breaking myself. So Rob's better at that one than me, uh, which kills, hurts. I, my competitive side doesn't like admitting that. Um, it was honestly, it was a little easier when I wasn't in ministry. Um, college was a gold mine. Just hang out with friends all the time and invite them over for food. I love doing the food thing. People don't say no to food most of the time. It's getting harder now because there's like gluten-free and vegetarian. Megan was vegetarian and she still came and hung out with us even when we were cooking bacon and everything. Like, I forgot about that. (laughs) I had to learn, uh, that's one other my part. I had to learn how to cook some vegetarian stuff or at least not carnivorous stuff. It was a little sacrifice. It was worth it for the kingdom. It was worth it. It was worth it. Um, <laughs> so like, college was a gold mine because it was just, you're meeting people and you're connecting and you can just invite people into your life and you can enter into where they're at. That's what Michelle did. They were coworkers and Michelle could have just put her head down and done her job and just survived that hellhole of a clinic that most of our care groups started off with them ranting about what was going on that week. It was, it was cathartic in some ways. She could have just put her head down, but instead she formed relationships and she saw Megan as a person who needed to be invested in as somebody who had value and could be a friend and could be a good connection and needed community when I was working at Macy's, I would invite my coworkers to come to Brenner. Uh, that happened a couple of times. These stories have varying degrees of success or a better word would be completion because I don't always get to do the baptizing, but I do get to move the ball down the field with them. So the question for you is what area has God placed you in so that you can share your life with people? Where do you... Where do you meet people? Where do you come in contact with people that need community, that need Christ, that need to know the kingdom? Is it at work? Is it at school? Where your, where your kids or your grandkids or anywhere else in your family, where, where, where are those connections at? Your golf club, uh, your, your gym, your physical therapist, Maybe that's where I need to go share Jesus. I don't know. Your eye doctor. That's for you, Jen. Uh, where has God placed you? You don't, it, this, you don't have to go to Africa to do this. Sharing your life with people is the simplest thing to do. And it might be a little scary and it might feel a little odd depending on your personality. For me, it's pretty natural. I like having friends in a social group tend to be a pretty social guy. Um, So it came pretty natural to me. Which takes us to our implication this week. My part, your part, my part, is to pursue authentic relationship with people in the mess. We can't expect people to just come to us. If I expected my friend Isabel to come to church or to come to care group, um, I've, I've accidentally tricked her into coming to care group twice. Um, once she wanted to come over and do laundry and I just didn't tell her that we were doing care group via Zoom that evening. And so she just stayed like off screen. I think Jack was there that night. 
It was like, oh yeah, I forgot we have care group. Well, you're here doing laundry, so I guess you're at care group now. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> she almost forgave me. Uh, it, I think we got her to come to a Christmas program one time too, maybe, but it, whew, that was rough. She's not going to come to church. The only way for me to develop a relationship with Isabel is to go into her world, which she's never going to forgive me for this, but occasionally meant, you know, going and picking her up at the bar at 2 a.m. Like, yeah, I'll come pick you up. That's cool. Or we'll just hang out and do something random. She will forgive me. I actually asked her if I could share that. But uh, she probably still will be slightly irritated. <laughs> um, her ears are burning somewhere. But I have to go down into the mess. I can't just, Jesus goes into the mess with Zacchaeus. And it doesn't necessarily look good for him. All the people are grumbling and saying, he's hanging out with the sinners, with the tax collectors. How many times do you get blamed for like being a drunkard because he's hanging out with the party crowd? Those are fun verses. Like John, was it John's guys were like fasting and they, they couldn't do anything right. And Jesus was a drunkard. And so he couldn't do it. Vaguely remembering these. You have to go into the mess. You have to see these people as a child of God and not an evangelistic target. The minute that you start looking at somebody as an evangelistic target, like, oh, all right, here we go. I'm going to share a little Jesus with them. So I'm going to befriend them so that I can convert them. We live in a post-Christian culture and they smell that instantly. It's like a, I don't know, a deer that senses the mountain lion is stalking it or something. Didn't really think that analogy through too much, but I think that works. Do mountain, li- mountain lions eat deers? Yeah. It's the deer that always sense that I'm anywhere in their vicinity with my rifle. That's, that's what this is. They know. <laughs> I'm a terrible hunter. Um, so anyway, you can't look at people as an evangelistic target. You have to see them as a child of God. You have to value them for who God created them to be. This is back to Genesis that we started the year with. This is a building block. You have to just let God do his part and work on their heart. And you just do your part. I just do my part and love, love my neighbor, which is kind of freeing. I don't have to have that weight on my shoulders. God's part is he does work in people's hearts. He's going to prepare that. And if I'm constantly just loving on people and entering into where they are and engaging with them, then I'm going to be in the right place at the right time that God has set up when he is working in their hearts. And their part, they just have to show up. Like really, that, that's the, they have to show up when you give them the opportunity. Zacchaeus had to say, yes. He could have run away. He could have been like, oh, Jesus knows me, I'm out. But no, instead he says, yeah, no, come. This is awesome. He could have said, yeah, Jesus guy, no, not so much. And just not gone at all. And not tried to climb the tree and not sought after that. All he had to do was show up. 
So what are our next steps? Really tangible, rubber meets the road. What can we do? Well, first one is build relational capital with sinners and tax collectors, which I never thought I'd say in a sermon. (laughs) Uh, Who are those people that just don't, like the church looks on them and says, "Uh uh-uh, they can come, We'll, we'll, we'll get to them after they figure things out. The people, they hated the tax collectors. The, Jew, the Jewish people, were, they were rebellious people and they definitely didn't like Rome. And if you were helping Rome out, you were not a fan of, like they were not a fan of you. And Jesus says, nope. He is a son of Abraham. Oof. That's a... That's just a bold statement right in their face of, no, 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 this, this guy's worth it too. He's in. He gets it. Next step, so we're going to build relational capital with them. The next step is to be the influencer in the relationship. Timing is important. I'm really good at this first one. Like, yep, I'm going to get with the, the sinners and the tax collectors and I'm going to build relational capital. This one is a little trickier for me to be the influencer in the relationship. This is about not getting dragged into the world. We're going to be in the world, but not of it, right? This is saying, I'm going to interact with these people and I'm going to be part of their life. And I'm not just going to like dip my toe in. I'm going to be part of their life, but it's not going to separate me from who God says I am and who I am called to be. And that's not easy. That's the hard part of this, I would say. Timing is important. Don't go somewhere that's unhealthy for you. The, the glaring example in my mind is if you just got on the wagon as a recovering alcoholic, probably shouldn't go start a bar ministry. Not the right time, probably. If you're 20 years down the road and you're like, yeah, nope, I moved past that rock and I know those people and I got a heart for those people and God is calling you to it, like, by all means, I would suggest the other part of that is take a buddy. So timing and accountability. Jesus sent them out two by two. He sent them out in teams. So buddy system is good. As long as you're better at it than me and Scott when we go biking. Caveat on that one. Got us, Scott. We're we're never going to do that again. Stay together. We'll tie a rope around each other so we don't lose each other or something. And you can drag me up the mountain then. Take me. Anyway. um, (laughs) Jeez. So accountability and timing. Don't enter into some place that's going to be unhealthy for you. And definitely don't enter into those places alone. But if, if it's somewhere that you're called to be, Don't be afraid to get into the mess for that. And then third, the last step is invite sinners and tax collectors to the kingdom. To use Michelle's story or uh, Megan's story, Michelle enters in and builds relational capital with Megan as a coworker. And then she invites her into the kingdom, calling Brenner the kingdom. Feels like a stretch, but it really is. 
She builds relational capital and then she invites her in. It doesn't just stay in their world. Zacchaeus turns around and he has this repentant moment at the end of the story. He comes out of this and he turns his life around. There's repentance at the end of this. And we want to be aiming towards that. And I, w- I would say you probably don't rush it. It's a patient sort of thing, which we all know and love. Being patient is super fun. That was more sarcasm under the mask. It's getting really full in here. <laughs> Invite them into the kingdom. Because the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, and then he called us to do the same. That's what it means to share your life as part of the discipleship process. As making disciples, we share our life. What does that look like for you this week? Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.